We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? This is Curtis Patrick. I've got Travis May with me today. This is going to be episode 40 of the podcast. We're going to talk about the most intriguing prospects at the 2020 Reese's Senior Bowl. Players who are high on our draft list already and others who could really use this week to create some momentum for themselves as we head towards the NFL Combine. But first, I want to tease this. You got to feed your dynasty rookie fever with our rookie guide. It's available at rotoviz.com right now. That's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z.com. Check out the link and then start the pod. Yeah, Curtis, I'm just pumped to talk about the Senior Bowl. Tons of players to get excited about. I mean, this this time of year is just, I mean, when your NFL team is out, when your dynasty season's already been long gone, it's time to kind of move on and plan for the future. Uh, so there's tons of, of players to kind of look at this week. Going to be a bunch of videos of uh, wide receivers burning corners and all that good stuff. Uh, but we're hopeful uh, that, that we can probably help you sift through some of that noise and find a couple players that that we're already highly ranked on, uh, and and maybe a few guys that that could be some sleepers uh, as well. Curtis, do you have any players in, in particular you're most excited for uh, this week? Well, I have a couple guys that I'm kind of disappointed that aren't attending. That's probably my bigger <laughs> my bigger thing. Yeah. There's a lot of guys I really like this week, but my my boy that I really wanted to go. Uh, well, first, I think Tyler Johnson should have gone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really, you know, with what with what we're hearing about how teams might be valuing him versus, you know, like what Dynasty Twitter thinks about Tyler Johnson, <laughs> it would have been awesome for him to go yeah. and showcase his wares. Um, and then, kind of a, a homer pick would be KJ Hill. Really wanted to see um, what what he could do there, but you know, I'm sure I'm sure he has his reasons. What yeah. about you? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's several wide receivers I, I'm pumped to see. 
uh, this week. I think there's a bunch of buzz already about Brandon, Brandon Ayuk from, uh, uh, Arizona State. I mean, just last year, Nikhil Harry was the guy out of, out of uh, Arizona State everyone was excited about. But uh, Ayuk is a way different player. I mean, he's like a vertical threat, all-purpose guy. Um, there's already some buzz that, that he might actually be one of those guys that draft Twitter kind of missed. And he might be in the first-round discussion. Uh, but there's there's a lot of time uh, in between now and then. Uh, but I, I want to see him because I, I don't think uh, I've seen enough of him against uh, top-tier competition. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one, man. So um, for today, for this episode, um, we're going to just kind of review the whole Senior Bowl roster and you as our Debbie coordinator at Rotoviz. I mean, you, you know these guys as well as anybody. So I'm going to let you kind of take the reins for that. But first, I want to talk about maybe some interesting points about the Senior Bowl because, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of events that lead up to the NFL draft and, um, you, you know, how important is this one? You know, a couple years ago, I don't know that I took this event as seriously, but in recent years, we started to see bigger name prospects attend this thing. I think that, and I think it's wise. I mean, I, unless you're a home run first round pick, and I mean, there is no doubt there, there's a lot to gain by going and spending an entire week with uh, two coaching staffs that, you know, earn, own really early picks. I mean, this year it's the Bengals and the Lions running the show. They own two of the top three picks in this year's draft. And, and maybe you're not in consideration at the 101 or 103 for those teams, but, you know, they own picks at the top of the second round, too. And that's that's a good place to go to stop a slide. Yeah. Impress those coaching staff. So, you know, that that's really the first point. It's it's the first extended look uh, at these players being run through an NFL style practice with NFL coaches and NFL expectations. Um, but there's some really interesting points about the 2019 Senior Bowl. The 2019 Senior Bowl was wildly successful. Actually, 10 players from last year's Senior Bowl were first-round draft picks. Now, for fantasy purposes, the only guy that was really relevant was Daniel Jones, <laughs> who ended up going way higher maybe than anyone thought. I, I don't know anyone really believed he was going to go top half of the first until it actually happened, you know. but maybe maybe this is part of, of what, in, uh, what went into that. But But going a little deeper, Travis, in the first three rounds of the draft, 40 players from the 2019 Senior Bowl roster were selected. I mean, almost 40% of day one and day two picks. So, I mean, you know, again, those aren't all going to be offensive skill players. But this is an event that as as dynasty players, we cannot afford uh, to ignore at this point, uh, given the quality of these players. Yeah, I remember thinking the same thing a few years back and looking at the rosters a couple of times. And man, it's like that's that those are the guys you're going to be excited about. <laughs> but it's definitely, I think, come to the forefront uh, in the minds of uh, not only Dynasty Twitter, but clearly some NFL decision makers that are, you know, having their scouts and, and staff even go out to this game. And so for those not already familiar with the Senior Bowl, I hope you are now that this is this is kind of the beginning of the draft process. Uh, where things really start to matter, where things really start to stick. But we'll just jump right into some of the players, uh, kicking off with a couple quarterbacks because, I mean, there's not many guys uh, at quarterback amid this bunch that are probably expected to see significant draft capital. I know that there are some Jordan Love truthers out there. Uh, I'm not really sure where he's going to go, but he's not the names that I think we're probably most excited about at the quarterback position. I mean, you got Jalen Hurts, obviously. Uh, He's interesting because of his mobility and his final season that was just incredible at Oklahoma. And then you have Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert should be 
a top 10 pick uh, by many people's estimation right now. And Jalen Hurts looks like a guy that he could still be like an early second round selection. Uh, at this point, if you look at a, a bunch of the mocks right now with a bunch of the talks right now, and really when you look at his adjusted passing numbers, his final season, uh, there's really not much to dislike with him. But uh, really with those two, Curtis, where do you have Justin Herbert ranked right now? Because I feel like he's one that's hard to gauge. I, I found myself back and forth with where to slot him in when, when making my rankings. Yeah, I'm pulling up our Superflex rankings uh, first because that I mean we're talking sure. quarterbacks. Absolutely, you know that's going to be you know where it's really applicable. And I've got him seven there. Um, it, you know, he in my head he's a better prospect than Daniel Jones was last year. And Daniel oh, yeah. Jones had to be even for people who didn't like him. People looked at him as a late first, early second pick in Superflex just because of the power. Uh, the scoring potential power that those players possess in that, in that format. And so, you know, a guy that's going to go in the top 10, top 15 at worst, I think we have to, to push him in to the mid to late first round, even if you're not nearly as high on him as, you know, uh, Tua or, or Joe Burrow. I've, I've currently got him seventh and I'm looking at your rankings. You've also got him in the late first. It looks yeah. like you've got him about 10th. You know, I know we're still adjusting for some of these players who didn't declare and, and really fine tuning these rankings, but we both seem as a, a first round pick. Let me hop over to the, to the, you know, uh, just vanilla PPR uh, rankings as well and see what we've got there. Uh, it looks like you've got uh, Herbert as a, a borderline round two, round three pick, and, and I've got him in round three. So we, we see him pretty similarly. Yeah. And I think uh, oftentimes when you look past a one and two quarterback in a lot of rookie drafts, uh, people tend to, you know, have their favorites. And if they don't miss, you know, the, not that saying Mitchell Trubisky's worked out, but he's been productive in, in fits at times and especially in one quarterback leagues. I mean, those guys that are safe in terms of getting a shot for the first three years in their career, uh, and actually can produce on your lineup as a spot starter. They just get completely left for dead and taken in the third round, fourth round, uh, of fifth round of rookie drafts and they're just completely forgotten. So I, I think the guys after. You know, the, the guy is just a tier down. That, that's where I, I love to target those guys. And I think that's exactly who Justin Herbert is this year. And he's not going to cost you much. Even in super flex drafts, depending on the size of your league, uh, he could drop somewhat. And, and same goes for Jalen Hurts because he might not get the top end draft capital, but he has the crazy rushing upside where uh, if he gets a shot to start anywhere, he's probably going to be start worthy, especially in 14, 16 team leagues for, for quarterbacks. Uh, so I, I, I have him even as a mid third round pick. I think I'm the highest among our rankers, but Jalen Hurts just given his uh, rushing upside and what we just saw, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson able to do uh, with his rushing ability. You really can't discount uh, the incredible nature of, of the season that Jalen Hurts just put t- together. He had like 1300 rushing yards. No big deal at the, at the collegiate level and almost 4,000 passing yards, great adjusted numbers, four to one TD INT ratio, a lot of good things. So he was really out to make a point and say that he's good enough to make it in the pros. So I, I'm interested if he sneaks into the back end of the first round or even as a top 50 pick, I think the team's going to give him a shot. Uh, where do you have him rent Curtis? Uh, just a few slots lower than you, but again, we're, we kind of, we're kind of on the same page here. So in super flex, I've got Hertz as a right on the end of the round two. 
Mm-hmm. And you've got them just inside round two, kind of a, a later. Yep. I think you get, it looks like eighteen, nineteen range. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to I want to do something real quick with the the Rotoviz box score scout with each of these guys because what's really cool with this thing, especially before the combine, we're really only using their a player's production and their body of work in college to generate a comps list. And so for Justin Herbert, I'm just going to plug in. You can plug in a custom draft pick. And then it'll generate the comps using their their production and the draft position. So I'm going to throw in draft pick 10 for Herbert. Uh, we, we both thought maybe top 10 was fair for him. Um, here are a few comps for him. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. Geno Smith actually shows up as a number one comp, ended up being a second round pick. But we also see uh, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Matthew Stafford. Um, so there are some positive comps there within his top six. Uh, I don't know if we can call Locke a positive comp yet, but he certainly looked um, pretty decent toward the end of the season. I want to do the same thing for Jalen Hurts real quick. Um, what are we thinking there? Like mid round two, yeah, late like pick, round two, pick actual NFL maybe. pick, pick fifty. Yeah, I, th- I think that's good. I think teams still want to see some things here. I'm wondering if Tim Tebow is going to come up. Wow, this is an interesting list <laughs> for Jalen Hurts. This is a really interesting list, even with <laughs> with pick fifty, man. So. Uh, okay. There's a certain Super Bowl winning quarterback that plays out on the left coast who's his number one comp, Travis. Oh my gosh. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson okay. shows up as Jalen Hurts, number one comp. And then, I mean, this is a great list, actually. Man. So Russell Wilson's number one. Andy Dalton's number two. Tyrod Taylor's number three. Dak Prescott, number four. You want to talk about a solid top four comps? I mean, that's like the who's who list of uh, later round quarterbacks who have gone on to be successful in the last yeah, decade. Absolutely. Like, a lot of fun just, right there. That, that's got me pumped. It, I, might, I might have to move them up my wow. rankings. <laughs> yeah, we might, we might, we might have to. Um, oh, I, I think Hertz, though, is a great example of why the senior bowl is, is good. So if you want to accuse Jalen Hurts maybe of just benefiting from that amazing Oklahoma system, and playing with, you know, a consensus top two wide receiver in the class and CD Lamb. Um, now we get to go see how he takes instruction from somebody other than Lincoln Riley and, you know, what he looks like, um, throwing more of a basic, you know, route tree that's going to be installed and, you know, other language, other offensive language. So th- this is a great exercise for a player like Hertz. Uh, any any other quarterback notes before we move on to the running backs? Jordan Love is going to be the guy that, that needs to prove it. He he didn't have the year that a lot of people thought he could. Uh, he was a guy preseason that could have been going higher in the first round. So if he really impresses some guys, especially in interviews and things like that, he could he could definitely move up uh, in my rankings and, and uh, the real draft boards for a lot of teams, I'm sure. Uh, plus, uh, one more note on Hurts, though. He's going to be wearing a sweet ha- uh, helmet this week. It actually is split between Alabama on one side with this two and then Oklahoma on the other side, apparently. So it's uh, he, at least he's going to look cool. But uh, moving on to running backs this week, uh, I'm not really excited. I, I would have loved, like I think you mentioned earlier, just seeing Zach Moss uh, being there, but he's not actually going to be in the field. Uh, we've got a, an, an interesting bag of, of running backs. Uh, we really have to go down to what our, our consensus running back uh, six or so, and Eno Benjamin to, before we get to a guy that we're really excited about. Uh, and then we've got Keyshawn Vaughn, but uh, Eno Benjamin, where do you have him ranked? Uh, Eno, we both got Eno as kind of a mid round two guy, uh, for dynasty rookie drafts. If they were, if they were going to happen today, uh, he's inside the top 18 for each of us. I've got him, I think at 15, you've got him at 18. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe some of the questions with Eno, um, you know, Pac-12 competition, what does that really look like? He's a little bit on the smaller side, so um, – but I'm, he's not so small that he's not a good prospect. I mean, he weighs over 200 pounds. Um, but compared to some of the other backs in the class uh, that are ranked in front of him, he's on the smaller side. But yeah. I can catch can catch the ball. Um, you know, it the class isn't as deep as it was, obviously, uh, about a week, week and a half ago. So I, I was curious if he was maybe going to be a late scratch for this event. Um, I don't know how much he can really do to boost his draft position by participating. I don't know if he can get himself into late day two consideration, even if he pops this week. Uh, but but maybe if he pairs it with a strong combine, is there anything in particular you want to see him do this week? Yeah, I think that those players that you see do really well, like get the honors and awards and all the accolades from this this weekend at running back tend to get a lot more exposure and even maybe some capital. Like Kareem Hunt was a guy who who was probably not going to be a day two guy mm. until he went to the senior bowl and really showed out. Uh, and I think Eno could be that guy because there's just not a whole lot of other competition here. I'm, I'm super worried about, uh, except for maybe Keyshawn Vaughn and maybe, maybe P Ryan, but, uh, Benjamin, I mean, he, he, he reminds me of Singletary in that, like, I, I wasn't sure he was going to be a day two guy, but he squeaked in because like he, he just had a lot of, of good positive traits and production uh, that went with him. I mean, he had that massive, well, Benjamin, that is, had like the 92% and 86% running back dominator in his final two seasons at Arizona State. Mm. So he's got all the production you want to see. I just, that size it, it makes me think he's probably going to drop to early round four, at which point I, he's not really an early pick for me. Uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy, I think a lot of, uh, Film, uh, film based analysis people really do love him just because of what he was able to do against the tough, the, the toughest competition in the country, uh, on a really, really bad team, uh, for Vanderbilt. I, I am a Vandy season ticket holder. I've seen the worst football played imaginable. Uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn is not one of those guys that puts on the bad tape and he really did great things. And he was really the only good thing the offense uh, for Vandy had going this year. Where do you have him ranked? Uh, right now, Curtis. Well, before I tell you my ranking, um, I did punch in Vaughn to the box score scout. Do we feel like early day three is is where he would be right now? Yeah, I I've think got, around like, pick, pick one hundred. He's like right on that cusp yeah. for me, something I, like that. I've got one ten plugged in right here. So yeah. early to mid fourth, uh, we'll use that. A couple comps that come up here: James Connor is the number one comp. And don't tell TJ Calkins, but Kenneth Dixon is his number two comp. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling Vaughn might shoot up TJ's rankings uh, if he finds that out. But there are a couple other interesting names. Um, Doug Martin shows up. Yeah. Um, and then uh, like this will take maybe. you back. This will this will take you back a couple years. But Zach Stacy. Oh, Zach Stacy. Uh, another ben another Tate. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, ben Tate and David Montgomery. So there's there's some certainly some relevant names. Yeah. Um, Mike Davis even shows up. Mike Davis popped. Uh, he had some games, some small streaks where he was fantasy relevant. Really not a lot of whiffs in this list, um, but also no no real multi year like long term dynasty assets other than maybe we could call Doug Martin that, uh, or if James Conner were to recover in 2020, we could call him that. Um, the the thing I got to mention about Vaughn is his age though, Travis. So he's a red shirt senior running back. We like young running backs at Rotoviz. Um, so this is really a tape based analysis. Keyshawn Vaughn's going to fail a lot of the things that we would typically use at our site. 
But for people who chart games, for people who look at system fits, for people who are film grinders, like you said, he shows up as a favorite. He's going to be 23 in May, though. Mm -hmm. 23 in May. I mean, that is as old a running back prospect as really you'll you'll see. Oh, it's basically Um, Sony Michelle. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 When you look at it that way, except from not a great program and, um, yeah, I mean, it certainly doesn't have the same buzz going in. But, um, okay, so you wanted to know the rankings on Vaughn. So let me pull up the vanilla PPR rankings again. You'll be able to see all of these in the Dynasty Commencement or Rookie Guide. Keyshawn Vaughn, I currently have uh, – we actually both have him at 36 right now, Travis. Yeah, uh, identical identical rankings. That's funny. That, that's probably about where he settled. He could go higher, but he really has to get the draft capital to, to go up near uh, the, the second round for me. Most likely. And yeah, I don't, I don't like him being that old, but, uh, the truth is Vandy was only able to muster like 170 pass yards per game this year. And he still averaged like over five yards per carry. I had over a thousand yards, caught some balls uh, along the way as well. I think he's just an all around back. Uh, he, he struggled to stay healthy, but I mean, even as a true freshman way back in 2015, uh, uh for Illinois, he actually broke out there before kind of, uh, you know, deciding to to move back down to Tennessee but uh, definitely a polarizing guy who I think he could definitely if he's one of the, those guys that, that just proves to everyone there that he's the best running back uh, he could see that uh, day two draft capital and be a guy that we're all a lot all, all of a sudden a lot more interested in because uh, I remember a lot of people ranking Kareem Hunt I keep using him as an example but he was he was definitely not an early selection uh, pre senior bowl. So it's just really huge. And I think it's going to be one of those two guys that takes the next step. I'm going to submit one more name for consideration out of the running back group. A guy I'm really curious to see play just in a different system, maybe with some different linemen. It's Lamical Pirine, uh, out of Florida. Um, you know, Florida's, Florida's line play and then especially just their whole offense in 2019 was just pure garbage. <laughs> um there's no so so people you know cam Akers, you know he's not playing in the senior bowl um but cam Akers is thought of by some to be an elite level running back prospect despite poor production as his college career went on and a lot of that is because they people feel like you know he was still able to create some for himself despite a poor line in front what you could make a lot of the same arguments for lambical Pirine, um not a talent on the level of acres per se. Um, but if you put a competent group in front of him, I'm just, I'm really curious. He's, he finished very strong. Uh, he was the, he was actually the orange bowl MVP and he caught 40 balls this year. That's what really interests me. Uh, really flashed the receiving ability, at least showing competence there. And so, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to throw dynasty darts at guys that don't get drafted at the running back position until day three, it certainly helps if they have the feather in their cap of being able to catch the ball. You know, I'm not going to draft a you know a pounder goal line type, uh, you know, late in dynasty drafts anymore. I typically don't do it anyway. You know, last year I did it with uh, what Kadri Allison, and I you know I pretty much immediately regretted it, even though it was a, a round four pick. It just feels like such a throwaway. I mean, you you basically have to play a game script, and even if they ever take on the role, so a guy like Pirine who can bruise a little bit but can catch the ball. You know, maybe he maybe he falls into some workhorse production at some point uh, in that first contract. So I'd, I'm really curious to see how he measures up, uh, in particular against Vaughn and, and Benjamin. 
uh, amongst yeah. the guys that we're interested in. Do you have any thoughts on P. Ryan? Yeah, I, I do like him some. I think he flashed in, in some certain games. I think very at the very beginning of the, of the season, the Miami game, uh, he had a really solid run where he basically ended the game against Auburn. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of that moment. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think he could definitely prove a lot too, uh, at least secure some draft capital for himself. Uh, Darius Anderson is the last guy too, I guess I would probably mm-hmm. mention just because he's going to be an athletic freak. He's going to wow everyone at the Combine. Uh, so that, that's exciting, uh, to think about there. Uh, just, I, cause I think his, his burst, his burst score is just going to be off the, the charts, like 40 inch vert and, you know, whole, everything you want to see, uh, physically. But uh, I'm, I'm not super high on Piran, but, you know, one of those four for sure is going to be the, the guy to, to see the buzz. Yeah. I, th- I think for him, he's more of a guy that goes from, are, are, you know, dynasty players at large even, is he even on their radar? Are they even interested at all to maybe being on the radar? Whereas yeah. I think the guys you mentioned earlier, like Benjamin, yeah, to a slightly lesser extent, Vaughn, yeah. they could actually move up, you know, maybe they could become, you know, Benjamin with a really strong showing, securing the draft capital could maybe move into that round one, round two borderline. Absolutely. And Vaughn could maybe vault to the round, you know, second round of, of dynasty rookie drafts with a strong showing. So, um, we're going to talk about tight ends and wide receivers, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, the Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide. And this is the final week of pre-sale. Volume 1 actually will drop next week. And we've still got our pre-sale pricing you know, this week, and it's, it's just $14.99 for all three volumes. So we do a volume before the NFL Combine. We do a second volume where we add in, you know, the athleticism um, and anything else that, you know, we have learned, um, you know, between now and that process. And, you know, a couple guys that maybe are injured, uh, get a little bit more uh, perspective on how they're healing. A guy like Tua Tagovailoa is, is one that would fall into that. And then episode, or, uh, issue three is, of course, after the NFL draft, once we know the landing spots and, um, you know, can adjust for team situation, all those things. So. Um, this is absolutely great. We're, we've got a little bit of a different take on it. For those of you that have purchased it in the past, it's going to look a little bit different. Um, going to be a little bit more analytics based uh, than it has been in the past. Um, some new guys jumping into the guide this year as well. Of course, Traps and I have been involved, um, but we've got Sean Siegel involved, Blair Andrews involved. I've already seen Sean's piece. Uh, it's really, really great. Um, kind of a perspective on on breakout age. And explaining it in a, a easy to uh, comprehend, easy to understand way, and in a way that I'm sure will make you want to apply it to your rookie draft strategy if you don't already do that. TJ Calkins is doing a great piece that you're going to not want to miss whatsoever. He's going to lay out our rookie tiers and then give you veterans in the NFL that you should ship off for picks in said tier. I mean, that's, that's as applicable a piece as I can think of for a rookie guide. Not something that people typically would think they'd see in a rookie guide, but that's the type of thing you're going to get. So check it out, rotoviz.com. Plenty of information about it. Just check out the 2020 rookie guide link at the header of the site and uh, grab your pre-sale today. It'll, it'll ship out directly to your email inboxes next week as soon as it's up. All right, Travis, let's talk about the tight ends. 
For sure. And it, the tight ends are intriguing. I love the tight end position. If you, if you followed me for that long, I love breaking down the, the tight ends, uh, all the time. But this is the only position that actually has my number one overall at, at the position showing up at the senior bowl. And that's Bryson Hopkins, uh, for my alma mater, Purdue. Uh, so I, I might be a little biased there, but I think a lot of people have, come around on the all around tight ends, like the players that can block the players that can receive. I mean, think about, you know, George Kittle being a fifth round pick a few years back and just how silly that truly was ignoring the fact that he could dominate as a blocker and stay on the field and catch the ball and dominate at the point of the attack too. So I'm not saying Bryson Hopkins is the George Kittle of this class, but he might just be the George Kittle of this class uh, when it's all said and done. Holy smokes. So I, I mean, he's smokes. somebody that a lot of people just look over because he played for Purdue, and uh, he, he had to. I mean, he had to put up with the most embarrassing display of quarterback playing in the Big Ten this year. Uh, they they finished the season on on the guy who was a, a walk on and the quarterback four to open the year. So and he still got 800 re- receiving yards at, at the tight end position. So Hopkins as a guy, I think he's going to get the draft capital. I think he's going to be an early day two real draft capital selection and potentially be the tight end one in this class. Uh, I, I'm not sure wow. if I have him the the highest right now or not. Where where do you have him ranked? Uh, we both have them in, in our, we both kind of have a top three tier of tight ends. I, that's kind of what I'm seeing across the road of his staff right now, actually. Um, okay. You've got to help me. Albert O. Al, o- yeah. So o- it's Okwui Boonam. So it's Okwui Boonam. It's just Albert Okwui Boonam. Boonam, not Boonam. Okay. Albert Okwui Boonam. Okay, yep, there you go. So we've got Albert. O- <laughs> I'm a pro. <laughs> Aquaman. I can learn, man. Aquaman. I can learn. Just call him Aquaman. Um, no, I mean, I, I gotta, I'm gonna try <laughs> to say the last, I'm gonna say the last name until I know how to do it and I'm gonna wield that power and then I won't have to say anymore. Yeah. But I gotta by, prove by myself. April, we'll get this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Albert Okui Bunam, Hunter Bryant and Bryson Hopkins. Those are kind of a, a top three tier of yeah. tight ends. I think draft capital athleticism could certainly help those guys separate. Um, Hopkins may be more of a late clear career bloomer. Uh, Albert O or Aquaman, as you want to call him, um, actually fell off toward the end of his career and, and some questions on, on him now. But um, we both got all of these guys as late round two, early round three in vanilla PPR. But let's talk about tight end premium because that's, you know, that would speak maybe to how do these guys compare to a really strong you know, like blue chip tight end class. Cause in, in the past we've seen in tight end premium, some round one valuations on these guys and yeah. neither of us are really boosting these guys too much. Yeah. Travis, I think the earliest I see a tight end in either of our tight end premium rankings right now is 18th. And that, and that's where you've got Hopkins uh, in the senior bowl. So it'd be interesting to see how high you might bump him. If I give him a draft position of 40, so early day two, and the road of his box score scout, we do see some pretty pretty juicy comps in his top ten. Uh, we've got Kyle Rudolph, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, uh, among guys that have been you know really fantasy relevant. That's a great a great list. I mean, even even a Kyle Rudolph outcome in a tight end premium league. I mean, he's had a couple seasons where. You know, he, you know, he was very, you know, top three, top five producer at the position, even though he hasn't had the consistency year to year. And then we see some other guys, of course, on the draft position comp, like, you know, Kobe Fleener never really panned out. 
Clive Walford was kind of like a, you know, wannabe post, post, post type sleeper guy for a little bit. Uh, the bit, the big miss in this tier or in this, uh, cohort from the box score scout. And unfortunately, the number one comp for Bryson Hopkins, although they're not similar players at all. Yeah. Is, uh, Jason Morrow. Yeah, yeah, definitely not the same style of player. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I think there, there's a lot of positive outcomes for for Hopkins for sure. But there, there's kind of a major drop off to me uh, in this group of tight ends after that. I mean, I like Harrison Bryant. He won the Mackey Award for being you know the the best tight end in college football. I don't get that. He was really good within his role, but he was really a tight end that was kind of schemed open more than anything. He's not going to wow with athleticism. Uh, Josiah DeGuara from uh, Cincinnati, he at times functioned as the wide receiver one, just de facto, uh, in their heavy run-based scheme and still racked up over 500 yards this past season. Uh, good name to know. Jared Pinckney was supposed to do good mm. things, uh, and I, I still believe in his potential. A lot of people preseason, pre-college football season, were calling him a potential round one tight end. Uh, I think he could still be that. He just didn't do anything because Vandy averaged 170 passing yards per game and they, they refused to, to target their, their big tight end ever because they never even really got to the red zone. Uh, Pinkney's a guy, he's the guy I think that could prove the most this week, just, uh, showing it what his raw tools could do at the next level. Wow. Wow. If, if Pinkney were even to return round two draft capital, Mike Gasicki shows up. As a, a very strong comp, yeah. Um, and, and and let's let's say he let's say he doesn't do much at Senior Bowl week, and he becomes an early day three guy. You know, uh, uh, Tyler Higby, who didn't do much yeah. early in his career, but really broke out. So you know, um, I think that's what's really interesting with with Pinkney is that just because the production wasn't there doesn't mean we don't uh, we don't see some good comps show up. Yeah. I think that's the key. You just want to see uh, players make a difference uh, and and get some hype generated. And I want to see his combine. I want to see uh, just how big he is. He's listed, uh, I think he's maybe 260. I think he's going to be even thicker than that and still be just as fast as, as this uh, field of tight ends for sure. But uh, you want to talk about some wide receivers here as we uh, before we close? Yeah, and let's let's kick it off with a small school guy who seems to have just a massive like – passionate following that i'm seeing emerge on twitter uh from tiny liberty <laughs> antonio gandy golden what a name uh, t- yeah tell me a little bit about antonio gandy golden i'm gonna pull up some stats here but sure um yeah tell us what you know so antonio gandy golden or agg uh, what a lot of people uh, like to call him at this point uh it, he played for liberty and obviously when you play for a school that is not even division one until just two seasons ago people are going to question whether or not you know you actually did anything uh, of note uh, actually did anything uh, that was worth uh, getting excited about um but really i mean when you look back to his true sophomore season the very first game of his true sophomore season he faced off with baylor uh and you know just dropped a, a simple 13 catches for 192 yards and three scores on baylor as a true sophomore uh and uh, he went on to have over a thousand yards that season uh 10 touchdowns i, I actually it may have been more t- than 10 touchdowns that season but he had three Seasons in a row in college, regardless of the level of play, with over a thousand yards and ten scores. Uh, so that's not to be ignored. And he really broke out 
even in his first year a little bit. It just wasn't always against the, you know, the power five competition. So he's somebody who's got the, the six, three, you know, big physical wide receiver size. I think he's actually going to have some, some decent speed. Uh, so I think, uh, he's a guy that's going to rise at, throughout the entire process at every turn. So uh, I don't know where he's going to settle in the we, draft, draft capital, but if it's, if it's day two, look out because he's going to be an early pick. With Antonio Gandy Golden, it's important to note that when you're looking up his, his stats and checking out his numbers throughout his career, a lot of the stuff, when you look at, uh, pre 2018, it's not really going to be in a lot of places. If you go to sports reference, I love sports reference. It's, it's great to find a bunch of stats, but because they weren't division one, you have to go dig into like the Liberty's like sports website just to find the, the, all the stats and game logs and things like that. Um, uh, because, they were just at a lower level of football, but he really had an incredible season. But if you look at like our box, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that because like box score scout, yeah, because yeah. then we don't have, yeah. Mm. Let me fix that. I'll make that more concise. But one thing to remember with Antonio Gandhi Golden, when you're looking up his stats, a lot of times you're not going to see the, the stuff that I just said unless you dig a little bit more for the information because in 2017, that was their final season before they went to Division One. Yeah, they'd have a game or two against a Division One uh, opponent before then, but really you don't see his stats emerge and, and you don't see him as a player emerge to the forefront of of college football and and real analysis taking place on that player because he just wasn't at that level of play uh, just yet. But the the raw traits are there. The production, uh, regardless of the level that he produced, it's there. And and really, the past two seasons against D1 teams just absolutely dominated at every single turn. Yeah, final two seasons. Uh, let's see, junior season, uh, 44% dominator, 36% as a senior. And like you said, back to back, back to back to back seasons of over yeah. a thousand yards. But even if we want to just talk at the division one seasons, back to back seasons of a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. So, um, you know, an event like the senior bowl where he can play against guys from power five schools, um, guys who were highly recruited and really, um, prove himself. This is a very crucial week for him. Um, a couple of seasons ago, we saw Cooper Cup flash after being out of Eastern Washington. Some movies, so the, the same questions existed about Cooper Cup at that time. Uh, and I believe Andy Isabella uh, was at the Senior Bowl last year and was able to to house a, a touchdown. Um, certainly didn't hurt him. We, of course, we all saw him go in the second round, mm-hmm. um, not just based on the Senior Bowl, but I'm sure that that evaluation didn't hurt. Absolutely. Definitely really can't sleep on those small school players uh, anymore. I, I just, it's just, it's just bad process. I mean, if you're not thinking about every single type of player, uh, you're just not, uh, not looking where you need to. Uh, but there's Michael Pittman Jr. Is he the highest ranked guy, uh, in this crew for us, uh, among, among the wide receivers? Or is it more like, uh, maybe Brandon Ayuk or, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, curious who your, who your top actually, option is. Uh, yeah, it's Brandon Ayuk. Um, and, and I think that's mostly being informed by his assumed draft capital at this point. Um, yeah. you and I both have him as a late round two guy right mm-hmm. now. And we've got Pittman more, um, in the mid third. Yeah. And I'm just a little bit worried about, uh, Pittman's draft capital. If, but if he sees the capital, he's got the physical frame. He kind of had a later breakout just because USC always has about 17 wide receivers, uh, that are, that are pretty good. But uh, Brandon Ayuk, just to kind of 
hash out if he if he sees the draft capital his profile is going to be nasty because he was an all-purpose kind of monster in in juco before he even played in in division one similar well somewhat similar to antonio gandy golden uh but really uh broke out even with Nikhil harry on the team he was still the the go-to second option with arizona state just kind of showing up at the front door but uh this past season absolutely dominated uh for arizona state and really put together a great final season uh dominating uh, dominator rating of like i think 39 percent, 40 percent, somewhere in that range so really uh, uh, checks a lot of boxes for me and if he gets that draft capital that's the last bit uh and he's going to probably be ranked higher for me yeah we see we see some really great comps for iuk even with just like a mid round two value on him for draft pedigree uh let's say if, if he were to go around pick 40 to 45 uh we see michael gallup uh, who's been, you know, just a raging success as a former third round pick, uh, as his number one comp, uh, Sydney Rice, uh, for those of you that have been playing fantasy football for a while, had a couple of big years. Uh, we see Torrey Smith, Sammy Watkins, AJ Green, hmm. Jeremy Macklin. So definitely some fantasy producers. Um, a lot of the sim there, um, being driven by career, uh, career receiving yard market share. Uh, and these are also some guys who um, had high final season touchdown per game uh, ratings, uh, big play artists and red zone artists. So, um, yes, a, a pretty good combo. I think to solidify some of these comps, though, we'll have to see how fast he runs. I mean, he's going to have to – a lot of these guys are a little bit bigger but still running sub 4-5. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do at the combine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be key, but I think he's got the speed. I think if you, if you turned it on, he's just got a lot of fun to watch. He's one of those guys, he just plays with an, an, an extra gear, I guess, to use a very film based <laughs> uh, term there. But I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this whole week. And you're going to see a lot of short videos of him absolutely destroying uh, defensive backs. Cause, and really keep in mind that the defensive backs this week is, it's one of the weaker, Cruz we've seen at, at, at uh, corner here recently when Christian Fulton decided he wasn't going to make the trip there really wasn't even I think there might be one barely kind of almost day two guy going to show up uh, so the wide receivers should absolutely smash uh, all season uh, not all season all, all week long uh, are there any other wide receivers in this group that you really uh, are going to be watching all week long though um, yeah Colin Johnson um, is he was huge in Debbie circles for a while and then kind of, he didn't go like quietly into the night, but yeah. I just don't think he popped to the degree that we would have liked to seen, uh, after the beginning of his, he, I just really wish he would have come out, uh, last year. Yeah. I think he really would have benefited, um, both in draft capital and in, in dynasty draft capital. And then his teammate, uh, Devin Duvernay, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's interesting to see how they stack up. Is it the the guy who's been more solid for his whole career or the late bloomer that's going to show up? But I love that you just sprinkled in that nugget like it was nothing about the strength of the cornerbacks, because I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's content you're going to get a lot of other places. And if you didn't know that the cornerback group was weak I mean, there could be a temptation to drive a lot of these guys up the board. I mean, if, if the senior bowl ends up being, you know, an 80 point score fest and the receivers are going off, I mean, you know, we got to be careful about ele elevating these guys if, if they're not playing against, 
you know, top level future NFL prospects. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. I don't know that I was fully aware of the strength of the corners. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple, uh, okay, uh, safeties and they're probably going to get enough pass rush off of just like the, uh, upfront tackle group that's there. But yeah, the, the, the corners are not the strongest that it has been in, in recent years. So I'm not going to take too much stock into them, uh, beating this, this corner group this week, but I'm, I'm still going to be watching, uh, nonetheless. But, there are some kind of like late round guys I'm definitely taking a look at uh, in this crew too uh, with uh, James Proch from SMU uh, set the uh, all-purpose yards record for SMU actually broke out even with Cortland Sutton and uh, Trey Quinn still on the team finished this past past season with 15 touchdowns which is also an SMU record uh, just absolutely smashed it at every opportunity that he had to so I, I really want to see him take off I actually have him ranked at the back end of the uh, round three, I believe. Uh, I think he's going to get some capital and really surprise some people. Um, Collider Lipscomb, I obviously like too, just because he, he's a Vandy guy. He broke out early as a, as a sophomore in, in the SEC. Uh, but those are two names. I'm, I'm still uh, excited for the opportunity to see some draft capital. I'm so glad that you brought up Proche there, James Proche. Um, Proche, I what, should say. Proche. <laughs> Okay, Prochet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna learn we'll learn all these names and say them the right way by by the end of the uh, process here. But interesting nuggets. So he actually leads the entire draft class. Uh, when we're not just talking seniors, we're not just talking senior bowl. We're talking the entire draft class at the wide receiver position in career receptions, career receiving yards, and career receiving touchdowns. I mean, so he's he's basically got the wide receiver production triple crown. Uh, I mean that. Uh, yeah. I don't think we can just look past that. I mean, no. He's been a solid producer <laughs> for for multiple seasons, and then, like you said, I mean, the last two NFL worthy receivers to come out of SMU uh, are are guys that, in their own ways, have answered the the bell in terms of where they were drafted and what they've been able to do. I mean, Trey Trey Quinn's been able to stick on rosters, and uh, and, and you know, Cortland Sutton finally breaking out uh, of his shell in year two. So. Uh, that does make him a little sneaky. Of course, don't love to see, you know, the older prospect here and a, a fifth year senior too. I mean, he's a red shirt, so that doesn't necessarily help. He's going to be older, but at least he did something with his time. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pumped to see what he, what he does uh, this week and see if he can generate some buzz. Uh, Cause he's, he's one of my favorite kind of late round guys in this crew. Uh, but it, this has been a lot of fun, kind of hashing out the Senior Bowl and uh, getting ready for all that's going to come uh, with this week and everything that's really coming after this week because I think people will still talk about the Senior Bowl until the Combine comes. But lots of players to get excited about. Absolutely, man. And and I'm so thankful for a uh, podcast partner with all this Debbie knowledge um, to get into some of these deeper prospects who aren't the blue chip elite guys. Uh, hope you have fun watching the senior bowl. Those of you listening and, you know, maybe we'll see some of these guys pop or we can finally cross some of these guys off of our prospect list for 2020 with a, a poor showing or, you know, hopefully we won't see any injuries, but you know, that's also part of the game. So, uh, we'll be back again later this week with a second episode. We're on our two episode per week schedule. Now we'll be talking about some other great dynasty topics. Probably hit on rookies a little bit, but maybe more on some 2020 offseason dynasty trade targets and uh, tending to those rosters in ways other than spending those draft picks because, you know, it's a lot more than rookie draft 
uh, and, and nailing those that goes into being a successful dynasty player. So we can't ignore tending those rosters, Travis. No, absolutely. But guys, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Uh, definitely check us out uh, throughout this rookie draft season and definitely check out the, the rookie guy. Just can't wait to share uh, all the good stuff that comes with that. But until next time, keep living that dynasty life. For the one standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.